Good morning, entrepreneurs. You are tuned in to the Non-Corporate Network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. You're watching Entrepreneurs. My name is Chaz Vandemotter. And I am Dustin Trout. And we are here to bring you some unbiased small business headlines. Uh, and the format of the show is that we pick the top six trending stories. We debate them for three minutes each. Whether you're tuned in on Facebook Live or you're tuned in uh, through our podcast, Entrepreneurs, uh, we appreciate you guys being here. Tell a friend about us. We want to keep everybody woke. Uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we're about ready to kick this off. Dustin, you have anything you want to mention before uh, the dogfight begins? Uh, no, let's just dive in. Word. Okay, getting into our first story. So Instagram has announced, well, they haven't announced, but... Uh, <laughs> One second here. Uh, Instagram uh, maybe may plan on uh, charging a fee to put links in captions. Uh, a 2017 patent suggests this is just coming to light now, but Instagram has long uh, been up for debate on where are you able to put links. You can't link it in the comments. You can't link anything in the caption on the post. You can't tag a link in the actual post. Uh, the only place that you've been able to have links is in your bio or via swipe up if you have 10,000 followers or more. Dustin, what do you think this does if uh, Facebook monetizes the links that you add to captions? And uh, what does this do for the platform as a whole, as well as the advertising side? Now, I think it's great, especially for those that might have a little bit larger audiences that don't necessarily need to put budget behind pushing each post or each, each uh, post as an ad. I mean, everyone's always wanted that that some form of link in uh, the the captions. So I think I think yeah. it's huge. It's going to give advertisers and brands another opportunity to drive traffic to where they want them to. Facebook, Instagram, they get a new revenue line. Um, I think what what'll be interesting to see is how it's unfolded and how advertisers use it. I mean, everyone's going to be quick to not necessarily abuse it, but be very direct response, be very salesy with it. Those who I think take a more branded approach and help use these links to enhance the overall customer experience. I think those people are going to win, but yeah. I think this just, uh, it's, it, it's a new thing that's coming out and I think people need to be quick on how they're going to leverage it. But I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think this is going to impact uh, the user experience from a uh, um, consumption standpoint? Yeah. I mean, th it turns it into a search engine. You know, I'm on social media. I'm not on a search engine. And if you, everybody is branding the links all over every single post that I see, uh, and I'm getting constantly taken away from Instagram, I'm not going to like that. I mean, you know, this has long been a platform where it feels like the, the uh, swipe ups or the links that you're clicking are embedded into the app. They actually come up and you swipe it back down. And so it's very easy to stay inside or create the, uh, the feeling that you're not leaving the app. And so if you continue to litter the entirety of Instagram with links all over the place, what used to be a great point of difference where it feels like every once in a while you can look at a link without leaving, it turns into just a touchpad to get you somewhere else. I think that's when this whole thing starts to seem a little bit transactional. And I think that if we get to that point, that you're going to see users that are fired up about this and they don't want to see this. And, um, you know, we've seen the emergence of TikTok. Uh, no one has a huge affinity to any one platform i feel like nowadays you know you bring up two good two two points one i mean facebook is trying to figure out how to monetize the search side i mean they've brought up placements where you can start paying to show up in search and two i wonder how quickly they're gonna roll this out with i mean more right. consumption going towards stories and reels 
as opposed to uh, the the feed. And right. so, I mean, if no one's spending time on the feed, is there even reason to to bring captions or clickable links within the captions on the feed? That's true. That's very true. Uh, well, getting into our next story, Epic built a real-life soundstage uh, for their in-game Fortnite concerts. Uh, it, we've been following Epic Games uh, in their suit uh, with Apple. Uh, so this is a little bit outside of the realm of that story. But uh, Dustin, we've seen... This has been a big deal. I mean, they've set record numbers of attendance with uh, Rez was doing a live concert. Travis Scott did a live concert. Uh, It's really blown up. So I guess my question to you is, how does this affect the uh, concert industry um, that's very lucrative and without having as many um, in-person concerts? Is this a viable way to uh, generate revenue? And do you think Epic is going to be on the forefront of this uh, whole thing? Yeah, I mean, in terms of what they're doing, I mean, I love it. Even pre-COVID, I think uh, creating more virtual experiences is is just huge. I mean, you're giving people that may, might not be able to afford to fly out and go to the concert a way to actually be part of it. And then as a event planner and all that type of stuff, I mean, you create new revenue lines in the overall concert. What I will say, though, is I do not think that this virtual way of... Uh, uh, having a concert is going to overtake the live in-person um, event. I mean, it's just, there, there, it's the experience that you get. I mean, going to festivals, going to uh, concerts and all that, it's being around other other people that are there at the time. I mean, there's just so much value in that, so much to be said there that I don't think this virtual way is going to replace that. It's just going to enhance it. And I think, I mean, it'll expedite the VR space because, yeah. I mean, if they're dumping money into the sound sound part, the next next option is going to be, all right, let's make it feel more real life. So I think it's going to be good for the consumers. It's going to generate more revenue for, uh, you know, people putting on concerts and events. So I think overall it's great. Yeah, no, I mean, the big point of difference here too is that these are like avatars. So this isn't Travis Scott in the flesh videotaped. (laughs) They're actually creating avatars of them and then they're syncing the audio with that. So, I mean, this is a huge budget type of production, but I could easily see them charging five, 10, 20 bucks for you to go into the concert. And now they've essentially created monetized virtual concerts where before it's just post a YouTube video um, and hopefully you get enough views for it to make sense to monetize. Uh, but now they're you know taking matters in their own hands. It seems like Epic is kind of unbundling these large tech businesses uh, and saying, hey, Rather than, you know, relying on Google to monetize your YouTube video, come over here and uh, we'll, we'll help you generate X amount of revenue off of an in-game concert. I mean, what would be crazy is, uh, I mean, you could charge a premium, say, instead of we're having a concert at the pavilion or whatever, it's we're going to put on this concert where the main goal is to digitize this and put it into a game. And now you can you offer an experience for the fans. Yep. They're going to be part of it. They're going to be in the game, whatever it may be. Again, now you can increase the overall prices of yep. that. You create exclusivity. I mean, I think there's a lot that you could do to kind of, um, yeah, just bring yep. great value. Oh yeah, no, I, I, it'll be it'll be exciting to see the the transformation there and how uh, gaming may kind of lead the charge to the next level of uh, VR. Uh, but getting into our next story, the C, the new CDC study raised concerns about COVID nineteen health risks at restaurants. Uh, you know, Arizona has had some controversy around restaurants being open prematurely. Uh, obviously, our chronicles of gyms being open at a certain capacity and closed and opened again. 
And so this uh, new CDC study is is troubling. It talks a lot about how, uh, you know, your 3X is likely inside of a restaurant to contract the virus compared to uh, not being at the restaurant. Um, Dustin, is the CDC kind of more of a glorified media uh, piece now? Um, and what what is the true risk of a restaurant? Are we going to see, maybe not what is the true risk of a restaurant, but how are we going to see the restaurant industry continue to find opportunity? Because it's uh, it's starting to dry up in terms of how ma- how many restaurants can stay open at you know twenty to fifty yeah. percent capacity. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the CDC, it's it's been crazy to see the stories that come out. I mean, it seems so back and forth. What's good? Masks are good. Masks are bad. You need to do this. Don't need to do this. I mean, it's it's uh, it doesn't seem like there's an actual direction there. I mean. I mean, just look at at the overall, not even death rate, but the the amount of deaths that were actually from COVID versus the underlying conditions. I mean, it was like 96% um, were because of an underlying condition rather than COVID, which significantly impacts the death rates. I just, I'm losing faith in in, in the CDC. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing the value there. But in terms of restaurants reopening, it you know, it's tough. I, I think it needs to either be you're open or you're not. I mean, Allowing a restaurant to operate at 20% capacity, you just can't generate the revenue to be able to pay for expenses plus make a profit. And so at right. that point, it's like, why why create the stress and 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 all of that to try and keep something open that's not even going to work? Um, but I mean, with the overall, I mean, data set, it's like so many people are going to restaurants. Are there other things that other variables at play outside right. of just the restaurant piece? But I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm all for let's just get back to yeah. to how things were. I know there there are health risks and all that, but I think uh, you know we're at the point to see who this really impacts, who it doesn't, the right. the, the the impact it has on on deaths and and whatnot. And so I don't think it's as scary as what originally first came out. But I mean, those those are just my thoughts. I what? see I, I see a future where uh, restaurants are really turning into e-commerce. We've seen a lot of. Uh, companies that are literally just renting a kitchen and then everything goes on Uber Eats, on DoorDash, and they're able to cut expenses uh, and increase their margins where right now those margins are pretty razor thin. Uh, You got to take care of the inside. You got to make sure the bathroom has everything equipped that you need. Um, You know, there's so many elements that raise the um, kind of barrier to entry in terms of profitability for restaurants. So, I see that happening a lot more with this whole thing. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 50% of restaurants are like that in another year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into our next story, I want to mention that we are powered by State 48. Amazing company based out of uh, Arizona. And uh, they do a whole lot of cool partnerships. Dustin, is there, uh, is there any new ones on the horizon that you know of? But uh, I know they bring a lot of great awareness to causes and do it in a cool way. Yeah, they have uh, they have a couple that are they're underway. Can't uh, really reveal them, but they will they will come to light here soon. But I mean, as Chaz mentioned, I mean, clothing for all inspired by Arizona. They're doing a lot uh, in the collaboration space, really a lot with uh, nonprofits and um, you know donating a lot of the proceeds back to what that nonprofit is for. So huge positive impact on the community. Awesome clothing. Check them out. State48.com. Love it. So as we head into our next story, so movie theaters rushed to reopen, but now there are no blockbusters to play. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 just got pushed back to uh, to the Christmas time, uh, which was the next big Hollywood uh, release, um, followed by Black Widow. 
So big budget, I mean, films are really what drive a lot of the foot traffic to theaters, obviously. Uh, major movie theater chains have enough capital to remain solvent through 2021 or going into 2021. But I mean, they're, they're stretched pretty thin. So with all this happening, as they are open, but you know, there's a lot of, a lot of talks where just the content isn't that great. You know, is there really any opportunity for movie theaters? Should they be rethinking their, their business model for the time being? Or, I mean, just what are your thoughts with Movie theaters being open, not new content being produced. Yeah, I don't know if the, to the movie theater owners, if the expectation is, well, once we open, there's just going to be such a demand to get everybody back that we're not going to have to do much marketing. Uh, you know, people will know we're open. I don't know what the play is there, uh, but, you know, I think they can be a lot more creative about how they can generate foot traffic. I mean, we were talking about how they make a very small margin of their total profitability on just the ticket sales. It's usually a, a small profit split there. Uh, they're extremely profitable on the concessions though. And so really it's just about getting people in the door more than anything else. And, you know, whether it's licensing old movies, putting stuff in that uh, was recently in the theater, maybe before everybody, before COVID happened, like at the beginning of the year, uh, I don't know what kind of content that they they show, but I think that there's better ways that they can incentivize people to come in. Maybe, you know, you get your first ticket for free when you come back in. Like, I think that they can probably afford to do that to generate more on the concessions. Yeah, I think <clears throat> to your point, reaching back into what, you know, what were big titles in the past or what what had some buzz? And I mean, reaching out and seeing what a licensing deal would be to right. get them going. I mean, if a movie's a little bit older, they're probably not making a ton of money off of it as opposed to when it was originally released. So right. they're gonna they're gonna be happy and be willing because now they're generating some revenue. Yeah. Now you have a bit more content that people wanna come out to. And then to your point, it's maybe you charge a dollar for the actual ticket, knowing that people are gonna come in for the concessions. I think there's still something where it's you charge 15, 20 bucks um a month, and then you can just come in once a day or unlimited times or whatever that may be. And I think uh, there they can make a little bit more margin on their tickets because people are willing to pay the 20 bucks. Get that streaming platform. Exactly, it's a, that yeah. reoccurring revenue. But I mean, there, there's a ton of space, but I think it all comes down to the communication plan. It's everyone's big on, hey, we're now reopened, but no, I, I haven't really seen too many ads speaking to how it's safe, why someone should come in. And I think that's, I mean, the biggest thing that's gonna uh, be the barrier to entry for consumers is just uh, knowing that it's safe, that they can go out. I mean, that we went to the theaters, first day they opened and that was kind of the the concession was how what does this look like how are we all gonna have to sit apart from each other but i think i have a clear communication plan on on how you're gonna be safe i think yeah would work i like to see netflix do a deal with one of these uh that, big uh yeah. companies where you can like get a free movie once a month or something absolutely so on to our next story kind of keeping here local so nicola been in the the headlines uh, a lot recently, but their shares plunged on Friday about fourteen percent um, amid dispute over short term or short sellers fraud allegations. So, um, a short selling research firm called Hindenburg uh, released a, a report on Thursday saying that there was a short short sellers fraud. Uh, Nicholas said that this is just a hit job that they have no uh, facts, but Hindenburg replied. Um, saying that they have phone call recordings and text messages containing false statements and that the company staged a video showing a truck that appeared to be functional. The research firm also said that the uh, truck was actually towed to the top of the hill with a remote control. Um, essentially, what they were trying to pitch on where they are wasn't reality. Essentially, 
making the GM deal happen. And so, um, I mean, when it comes to trying to create proposals and all that, there is a lot of, well, these are just ideas and that's what you use to really pitch and sell. I mean, there's also something about maybe going too far, but I mean, do want to stress that this is just hearsay for now. You got one person that's saying, you know, you have the accusations, you have Nicholas saying that they're false. So, I mean, we'll just see what happens. But I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? Is this good or bad? I mean, obviously it's yeah. not, not so good, but what does this do to the GM partnership? In the words of T-Bone Pickens, you want to do a deal real bad, you're going to do a real bad deal. <laughs> I was talking about this the last time we brought up Nikola and, and uh, you know, it, it, their back is against the wall. They had a big IPO. They haven't been able to back the value of that. It's continued to drop and they needed something to revitalize them, give them the capital they need to actually pull off how ambitious of a project this is. It's not like they have unlimited money. It's not like they have Elon Musk at the helm. So I think that uh, this, is, this is an example of do anything you got to do to get this deal done. And uh, now you're seeing the implications of uh, a little bit of uh, magic tricks in terms of making it look like they're a little farther ahead than they were. And, um, you know, again, uh, as you said, until, until uh, something a little more concrete comes out, we can't definitively say that um, anybody is uh, committing fraud. So, I mean, I'd like to be optimistic around this, but, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> Nikola needed or needs still that deal with GM in order to be viable. So, um, you know. Yeah. I mean, what do you think this does to the entire investor world? I mean, we, we have more and more to where, you know, it went from millions to hundreds of millions. I mean, soon to be billions yep. of investments that are happening on the back of an awesome idea. Right. Have a decade before we're going to see viable profitability. I mean, do you think we're going to see more um, of a negative impact on the investing world because of stuff like this? Or, I mean, you, you just hope people are going to be a little more woke. We talk about the PE ratios all the time. I think this is a dawning of the age of the value stock. And these companies that have revenue to back their valuations are the ones that are going to be good investments. And if you're not looking at that, then you're, you're playing a dice game and, you know, maybe it'll pay off, but you know, it's all going to be kind of faux valuation. Uh, if you're paying three grand for a share of Tesla and they haven't made a dime yet, like it, it's just, that's the game you're playing. It's going to be hot water. Yep. Yeah. Let, let's hope it's not that. And let's hope that it's just a, a hit job, but only time will tell. So yeah. on to the final story. So Oracle edges out Microsoft as the preferred buyer of TikTok. Looks like uh, we, America, will still have TikTok. Ding, so. ding, ding. Sweet. Everyone's jumping for joy. So Microsoft was rolled out Sunday morning. Uh, they just couldn't come to terms. They couldn't disclose what what the the disconnect was. Um, at the time, I mean, Sunday morning, no promises were made. And then within a few hours, I mean, less than 12 hours, the deal was struck with Oracle, which seems a little crazy considering <laughs> that China, you know, said late last week that they're not even going to let a U.S. deal happen. Um, yeah. Trump wasn't budgeting on on the deadline. And so here we are, what, a day before um, yeah. the deal. And it looks like that Oracle's going to come out on top and, and, and make it happen. So, I mean, Crazy. what are your thoughts? Did you think yeah, this is going to happen? I let, mean, let's think about the timeline here. It started with stories being released that TikTok was uh, was doing a lot with uh, U.S. consumer data that was uh, that was illegal. And so, you know, government took a closer look at it. Then Trump announced September 15th deadline. TikTok will either be sold to an American company or will no longer exist. And then China got in the mix and said, 
anybody that wants to do a deal, they're going to have to go through us. We have to broker the deal. And then, you know, Microsoft threw in a bid with Walmart. And now we've got Oracle that's closing the deal. You got TikTok uh, fighting against Reels on Instagram. I mean, this is a... This is like a, a marketer's dream for a story like this and all of the things that are happening. But I mean, overall, like I said two weeks ago, when we talked about Oracle possibly being a partner, this is the deal that China wants to do. Oracle is a much more distributed data provider. They're a much more uh, kind of universal data provider. And, uh, you know, they also don't have their hand dipped in any other kind of social media. They seem to have a little bit less regulation in the social media world. And so I think that if they're going to sell to anybody, it was Oracle and, uh, you know, we'll see how it pans out for them. But, um, you know, I just hope to have faith in the U.S. government. They're going to properly regulate this one. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it all played out. I mean, very, very similar to how China kind of kind of rules whenever it comes to an American company coming into China. They regulate the how you can do business there and all that type of stuff. And so, I mean, as much uh, as much as we want to say. We don't want to be like China and push ourselves away from it. I mean, after the coronavirus and this, it just seems more and more things that are happening that are making us in line with, uh, um, you know, China's actions just on who can open, who cannot, um, what companies can work with American companies and how that's going to be taxed and all that. So, I mean, in terms of the race on technology and all that, I mean, it's uh, uh, I hope that we can keep innovating as a country, because like I said, it's it's. It was we're the leaders and now we're starting to follow more of what China's doing and China's lead. And so well, I'm hoping that we can remain on top. I agree with you there. I'd say it's, I'm going to be uh, interested to see how this advertising platform plays out. I think I'm pretty bullish on how Oracle is going to go about the uh, the monetization of this from an ad standpoint. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we got to hang our hats on. Well, at least Facebook has a little more competition and they're, <laughs> they're not a. Uh, they're not sitting there laughing that it went under and now they're still the only one. So, yep. uh, well, looking back on the stories, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that was talked about. Uh, I love the Epic Games story. Uh, obviously, I love the the whole Oracle thing that we were just talking about, but I love the Epic Games story too. I think it's cool to see that uh, uh, there's going to be some interesting VR stuff happening and um, other ways to monetize VR that we haven't seen before. So uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be cool to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my favorite was just the Oracle TikTok deal. I mean, I didn't yeah. think it was going to happen, yeah. um, but I'm excited to see, can Oracle execute and make uh, you know, are we going to see just the user base just can, <laughs> like just die off or are they going to be That's able to true. keep up and innovate? But uh, eh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you guys again, check us out on the podcast at entrepreneurs, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, we put these full episodes up on YouTube as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, you may be watching on Facebook live, so we appreciate you if you're watching there, but, uh, you know, again, you've been tuned into the non-corporate network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. And, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much got nothing else to say. Dustin, what are your thoughts? Do you have anything you want to tell the people before we get no, out of here? I appreciate you guys tuning in and, uh, we'll see you Wednesday. Not many times. Uh, Chaz doesn't have much more to say. Hey, so, ncnbroadcast.com. That, that'll tell you more on that. Uh, that's what I said there on the <laughs> website. All right, we'll see you guys later. Thank you so much. We'll be back on Wednesday.